0: From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love, etc.
1: When my
0: love
1: takes me home, it's one of five, thirty miles long. like lead, nerves like steam, wild ride, when it's taking away. Are you trying to mend a broken heart? Because if so, you are absolutely not alone. We have all been there. And today, in our very first episode, we're going to work through your heartbreak together. Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews
0: and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc, a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move.
1: You guys might not even have an idea of who we even are.
0: No, so let's start there. Who are you?
1: (laughs) My name's Michelle Andrews. I am a columnist and podcaster. You might have heard my voice before on the Shameless podcast where we kind of cut our teeth in podcasting land. But if you haven't, no big deal. I'm not really a big deal at all anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> little little deals, tiny dogs. No,
1: I'm a Pisces. I'll get that out of the way. Not that I'm into star, star signs, signs, but I feel like people listening to a love podcast will, might wonder what star sign we are.
0: And what does that mean about you? Um, I'm a water sign. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> because I was going to say, my name, by the way, is Sarah McDonald. <laughs> I am a journalist and podcaster too. You also may have heard my voice on the Shameless Podcast with Michelle because we don't do anything apart. I'm a Cancer, but I actually don't know what that means about me.
1: Yeah. Not great things based on me knowing you so
0: well. <laughs> not great things at all. Um, this is a little bit of a different project for us. We are usually in the pop culture and celebrity sphere. We're moving into for this 12 part series, a the relationships and dating sphere, Michelle. Yes. Yeah, sex,
1: breakups. We're going to be covering it all and we're super excited. I think from the get go, even like healthy relationships, I think will be a great segment that we'll be able to cover a lot throughout this podcast series. But before we do get into it, I am in a long term relationship. I think we should get that out off the bat. I've been living with my boyfriend for two and a half years together for three and a half and yeah, super happy. So I like to bring the relationship monogamy side to this podcast (laughs)
0: Sarah's (laughs) Why Sarah's non-monogamous. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not. No, I am monogamous, but I am also single. So I don't know what that makes me. Yeah. Um, I have been single since February this year, which has kind of been a new experience for me because I was basically in a relationship since I was 18 to the age of about 24. So that's a pretty long time. That is mm. all of your adult life. So this will be a funny kind of sphere for us to work in coming from very different perspectives.
1: Exactly. And on the agenda today, we're super excited about this. We are starting from the bottom of a broken heart. So say your relationship has just ended. You might have ended it or the decision may be made for you. Where do you go from there? How do you find the energy to start over? Zara, as someone who's been through a breakup in the last few months, Let's throw this one straight to you. What is your experience with heartbreak?
0: Way to start with the easy questions, huh? (laughs) Um, What is my experience with heartbreak? I think I've been through two – I say I think. I know I've been through two major breakups in my life, both with the same person, which makes for a very interesting experience. And both have affected me in very different ways. Mm. I think for me, the first one was when I was 20. The second one, obviously, was when I was 24. And what surprised me in both of those times was like the shift in identity has been huge. I think when you've been with someone for any length of time, but from my experience, for the entirety of your adult life, it's hard to kind of picture yourself as someone who exists without them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that sounds silly, but I think... I now perpetually forget, even in the last sort of four to five months, that I am single. I don't identify as single because I almost feel out of habit. Yeah, Like I I genuinely forget. And sometimes I worry that I will bring up a conversation and refer to him as my boyfriend because you just forget.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's because you've had so many major life milestones, like your 18th birthday or your 21st or traveling, whatever it might be, where you've always had that person there and therefore you're... 20s has been earmarked or signposted by that relationship.
0: Totally. And I think one of the major things about heartbreak or getting over a breakup is the idea of moving out of habit. Like, I think people don't talk about that. You often forget that your life looks different now. Yeah. Uh, Or I often have forgotten that my life looks different now because I think you lose that anchor. Like, you lose your means to center yourself in the world or place yourself in the world and define yourself. And it feels like you kind of lose your relevance. And I know that sounds like a wildly unfeminist thing to say, but I don't think it has anything to do with your individuality. I think it's got to do with if you define yourself as someone who has been next to somebody for your entire adult life and suddenly they're not there anymore, where does your relevance come in? How have you found the difference between doing the breaking up and
1: being broken up with? Because that's two very different kinds of heartbreak. I can imagine, I've never broken up with someone actually, but I can imagine doing the breaking up, it's like a a more muted heartbreak where
0: it's still there and it's still super painful, but it's potentially not as cutting. It's not as cutting because the blind side isn't there. I think you grieve for a very long time. Before, it's like a dull pain. Yeah, yeah. And you grieve for a very long time before you realize what you're even grieving. The blind side, I have to say, has got to be the worst thing that anyone can go through. And I think after two major breakups, both on either side, the blind The blind side is physical, like it actually physically hits you. I don't know if you felt like that too. Mm. But when you go through a breakup, you're dealing with, one major thing, A, the absence of the other person. When you're going through a breakup having been dumped, for lack of a better word, you're also going through extreme self-esteem issues because you're wondering what's wrong with you, where the relationship went wrong, at what point it went wrong. I think you start questioning the, the few months before the breakup. Was it all a lie? At what point had they decided they were out? Mm. I think there's so much more to it and so much more neatly tied to your self-esteem that it makes it worse, for sure. Has anything surprised you about this time around? I was more surprised the first time around. I think I was more prepared this time around. But the first time I ever went through a breakup, I was so shocked by... How cataclysmic they are. By the visceral and physical pain I felt. Yeah. I was surprised driving away from a break- the first ever breakup conversation I had, feeling like my heart was heavy, Mm. like actually heavy, and that everything inside of me felt sick. I was surprised about how it manifested into physical pain. Absolutely.
1: I (laughs) think that's been the main thing for my heartbreak experiences as well, which is interesting because I feel like with yours, you were with someone for a very, very long time, and that's a super legitimate form of heartbreak of course yeah I think with mine before I got with Mitch and before I met him I had like a string of I don't even remember what the word for it is really like it's not a relationship it's like a situationship. I think lots of people (laughs) call it where I would be seeing someone for months at a time and we would be dating and like it would be super intense but there wasn't that boyfriend girlfriend label on it yet yeah and I feel like one of the biggest heartbreaks I went through was when I was 20. And I so struggled to process it because I felt like I couldn't be so heartbroken over this person that I was only seeing for four months. And how could I feel so, as you said, viscerally in pain and like I was suffering and like I was grieving someone. That's how it actually felt. Like I, I'm i the kind of person where I think I fall quite hard for people. I'm very 0% or 100. And if I like you, I probably like you 100%. So It's tricky. I feel like when you have your heart broken by someone that you were never actually with, it feels like you, you shouldn't, you're overreacting. You're being unreasonable. You're being too sensitive or something, or you've, you got ahead of yourself. You've overinvested. Exactly. And I think I had that a couple of times when I was growing up and I still remember like the exact setting that I would be in when someone broke up with me or someone ended things. Uh, And of course, when it's a situationship, not a relationship, it's Not that you get a lot of closure either. People feel like they can walk away from it without giving you anything. And there was this one guy that I was really into and I found out that it was over because he (laughs) announced his relationship status on Facebook a week after he just stopped replying to me and didn't want to see me anymore. So I think heartbreak like that was really formative in making me who I am in a relationship and what I'm like.
0: I think we have an interesting level of patience for heartbreak around other people, too. I agree with you in that. I love this word situationship. I hadn't heard it really? Am I an idiot? I clearly haven't been single long enough. Um, I think we, we aren't very patient with other people's heartbreaks full stop. Whether that's a long-term relationship or a situationship, I just don't think we have the patience to deal with it because everybody has so much going on in their lives. And I think that is more pronounced in scenarios like yours where we don't see those relationships as legitimate as they are. Well, the thing for me, it wasn't just heartbreak. It was like unrequited love or yeah. unreciprocated love.
1: And there's something really hard to cope with about that because it feels like you have been rejected not just as a person but as a partner like this person slept with you for a certain amount of time went on so many dates with you and then decided you're not worth it
0: it's an absolute shot to the confidence Mm. and I think that is also one of the most underrated aspects of Going through a breakup or experiencing heartbreak is the loss of confidence that you feel in that time is not very widely discussed. I think we often refer to heartbreak as the absence of the other person, but for me, it was a real confidence thing. I think when I was 20 and I went through that first ever breakup, I was the first of my friends to go through a relatively serious breakup. And I remember I felt like an idiot, like a complete idiot, because I was so sad. And I spent a lot of that time wondering why I was so irrationally sad. Like I was so angry at myself for being so sad. There was a lot going on in my life as well, which I found very interesting. Both of my my dad had just come through cancer. My mom had just been diagnosed with cancer. I had just been diagnosed with endometriosis. I was struggling in a lot of pain. And embarrassingly, and I'm so sorry to my parents who are very well right now, it was the breakup that consumed me. Mm. And I was angry at myself that I had this ability to feel more pain for myself um, about a breakup Then I, and I was so consumed by that, that I didn't give as much energy as I could to my family in that time. I was embarrassed.
1: It's tricky because it does feel so all consuming and it feels like a grief. Like I know I mentioned that word before, but when you lose love and you lose someone that you spent all day, every day, either talking to or thinking about or prioritizing, it is such a huge loss. And I think when we talk about heartbreak in these really silly terms where it's like, oh, well, just go sleep with someone else and you'll get over it or go drown your sorrows in a tub of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, it's not. it doesn't cover it. Like heartbreak can go on and on and on. And I know some people in my life who have gone through pretty heavy breakups and they're not over it five, six, seven years later. It can completely change and alter the course of your life.
0: Well, it, it kind of reroots a lot of what you were – where you're what you're working towards, where you were kind of traveling towards. The other thing that I was really genuinely surprised about um, is how much of a masochist I was on social media. And I know we talk a lot in the wake of breakups about how you should unfollow them if you can, or just mute them if you can, stay away from them. Don't make yourself sadder than you already are. And I just had this complete inability to do that. I remember my sister would always say, stop looking, like stop looking and making yourself sadder. But I didn't know how to do it. Were you the same? I am such a masochist as well. I
1: remember the time when when this big breakup happened to me when I was 20 and it really uh, affected me on a really cellular level, I guess. I remember catching myself maybe six months later and thinking, wow, I haven't checked his Facebook profile or Instagram in a really long time. And I still remember the, uh, it was almost like primal, the primal pain that I felt when I realized that he had unfriended me on Facebook and unfollowed me on Instagram. It was almost like he, it was like that Gautier song where it's like, now I'm just somebody that you used to know. It was that where I felt like I knew everything about this person that there was to know. And all of a sudden he didn't want to know me. He didn't want to see anything that I was doing. He didn't even want to be friendly. Like he was completely done. And with this new woman and the other layer on top of all that is the new girlfriend looked a lot like me which is such a fuck because it's like, well, what makes her personality, she's clearly your type, I'm clearly your type, what made her superior?
0: And you can't not make that direct comparison. Like it's there for you to make. It's completely disorienting. Mm. I think and in your case and the cases of like those short-term, less formally recognised relationships, there is that, that layer of confusion that I think is never resolved Um, And I have had so many friends go through this that you kind of, the onus is on you to get over it and to get over it quickly with absolutely no reasoning or logic to work with.
1: Absolutely. And this is the craziest thing, right? I am so happy with my boyfriend. We have been together for a really long time now. I see him in my future 100%. But if I saw this guy that broke my heart when I was 20, I would still feel sick in my stomach. Not because I have anything for him anymore. Like I'm not even attracted to him anymore But it's because I I still have this unresolved thing where I'm like, why did you treat me like that? Why didn't you tell me you were seeing someone else? Why did this end when it was so good for those four months that we spent together? And it's funny because I don't have a single cell of longing for him. I don't have any shred of love for him anymore, but I still feel sick at the thought of seeing him in public. All right, enough from Zara and I for now. We went into the beehive to ask you guys about your own experiences with
0: heartbreak. How did you cope with heartbreak? Like in my mind, I was like, oh, like maybe like I'll talk to him. Like I waited like a couple weeks or something. But like I just like carried on with my life and like, I just forgot about it and moved on. Completely fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he just hit like two months later. I I think I was kind of suppressing it or I just didn't realise what was happening and then I realised, whoa, I'm alone now and it's, like, different.
1: I spent a lot of time studying and probably a lot of time, yeah, just listening to music, trying to avoid it, (laughs) to be honest. I feel like I was listening to, like, Stella Donnelly. Who else? I don't know, I just had a few, just artists, just artists, like, uh, albums on repeat. That was what got me through. (laughs) Honestly, just, like, ranting to my girlfriends and just, like... I don't know, because they were, like, with me through the whole thing. So, like, I guess when I got heartbroken or whatever, like, I had them to talk to and they, like, backed me up. And I guess, like, I don't know, it just really made me feel, like, valid, I guess, in what I was, like, feeling and going through. Mm, Crying in bed for the first few days. And then just spending time with my friends. (laughs) Got back together.
0: (laughs) So Mish we've spoken about that initial loss but what about the actual mourning process and I think it's pretty fair to call it a mourning process. How did you move through that process?
1: Oh under great duress I think. I think I kind of felt like a car crash had just happened to my whole body and my whole heart when I went through relationship breakdowns or situationship breakdowns. I think first of all is you really do need time. It's so annoying but you will heal the most with time and distance and space. And I think it's only once you have a month or two or three to look back with hindsight that you can see why the relationship wasn't perfect and why it wasn't going to work. But for me in particular, I do think it was investing myself in my work And my friendships, if I really put everything that I had during those times into my university studies or into whatever I was doing at the time, I think I actually started my blog quite soon after this breakdown happened, that I felt like I could channel myself in other areas of life and that I could find fulfillment and worth when this guy didn't see me as worthy.
0: I was very similar with regards to the thing that I feared the most and have always feared in the most in the kind of weeks and months after a breakup is long stretches of time. Like suddenly time became the scariest thing of all because you needed to find a way to fill it so that your mind wasn't wandering. And I think for me, my friends have been kind of the only things and my family have been the only things to carry me through that to make sure that I was always busy and was always distracted. But it wasn't always the way. When I was first single for the first time, kind of ever, which was when I was 20, 21, um, I was quite a closed person. And I still am relatively closed compared to the average person. Like I'm quite private. I don't share huge parts of myself. So you can imagine how uncomfortable this entire experience is. We're a little bit yin and yang
1: when it comes to this. I'm very open about everything and you're a little bit more reserved. So
0: yeah. And I kind of feel sick half the time talking behind this microphone, but I think it's interesting us having these conversations, but I was more close than I ever was when I was 20. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone anything about myself. For example, when both my parents were sick, I didn't even tell my best friends for four to five months. Like I just didn't tell anyone anything. And when this breakup happened, it was like everyone wall came down and I started to actually let people in. And I realized a few months after that, with the power of hindsight, that I had been a really awful friend, not because I meant to, but because I think if you don't have an ability to be vulnerable and to let people in and tell people how sad you are and why you're sad, you actually can't form those strong almost physical bonds with the girls and boys around you. Oh, Some of the strongest
1: friendships I have in my life are with people where they basically know everything about me. Like yeah. some of the experiences where I don't tell really anyone about things that have happened in my life, the very few select people that do know certain stories and certain things I feel the closest connection with. It's almost like once you break down that wall, you can completely trust each other and can completely be open and honest and transparent with each other about who you really are.
0: Well, I think that was one of the major things that pulled me through both times is having people that I can tell everything to and this is from someone who, who doesn't speak a lot about I mean, I mean you I, speak a lot no, no no, I speak a lot <laughs> Who doesn't speak a lot about herself but I think the other thing that helped me is to be to learn to actually forgive myself for feeling the pain that I was feeling mm. I can't tell you I already said this earlier but I can't tell you how stupid I felt for feeling that sad and it wasn't until I had friends very slowly start to go through their own breakups that Everybody would come to me first and they would say, why didn't you tell me it was this bad? Mm. And I remember saying to them, because I thought it was just me. Like, I thought I was being the dumb one and I didn't think anyone was going to feel like this either. Mm. And everybody did. What is interesting is that the studies do show that your brain registers the emotional pain of heartbreak in exactly the same way as physical pain, which is why you feel like heartbreak is causing physical hurt. So there was a brain scan study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in the US. Do you have this written down too? No. I've got
1: something very, very similar that I'm yeah. going to bring in as well.
0: And they found – what they got a whole group of um, rejected lovers. I know that sounds like a really bad title for them, but let's call them rejected lovers. <laughs> Maybe that can be the title of this episode. <laughs> rejected lovers. We've rejected. all been one. Um, and they, <laughs> they gave them photos of their ex – and they made them think about the their ex and being rejected. And when they made them think about those things. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> it's like abuse. The, the parts of the brain that light up when we experience physical pain also became active when these people started to consider their ex and the concept of rejection.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up. I also read an article where psychologist Guy Winch told the Independent UK that functional MRI brain scan studies have shown that the withdrawal of romantic love activates the very same mechanisms in the brain that get activated when addicts go through withdrawal symptoms from cocaine or opioids. So it's almost like you're addicted to this person. When you love someone or something, you develop this Borderline addiction
0: to them. And when that's taken away, you are in withdrawal. I think that makes sense because when we said before that we were both complete masochists on social media after a breakup, for two people who try to be as rational as they can about scenarios, it just annoys me that we were such masochists in those moments. That makes a lot of sense that if you are going through those things and it is in a similar vein to an addiction, it's kind of all logic flies out the window and all reason flies out the window and you're just left with your emotion. Yeah. And it's probably why so many people go back and sleep with their exes for so long,
1: particularly if they're the one who's been broken up with, that they're yearning for that p- person's physical touch. They're yearning for that connection that they used to have. And it's just their addiction playing out. They're going through that withdrawal. they Trying to grab onto whatever shred they can get of that person that's
0: left. What I'm really interested about breakups in this kind of digital era is that I feel like we're in an era of fickleness more than ever. Like people are breaking up. And I don't know if this is me just overstating. I'd be interested in your thoughts. But I feel like people are breaking up and getting back together more than they ever have. And I wonder if it is because of social media, because I certainly think that our use and overuse of social media explains in Australia are consistent prime ministerial changes. Like I think we're in an era of fickleness with regards to what we're interested in, what we like and what we're passionate about. So why can't our fickleness with politics kind of reflect our fickleness in our relationships? Interesting. Is that idea of the grass is always greener? So maybe I'm going to break up with them, see what's out there, wait, I want them back. Or I'm going to break up with them because I thought it was the right decision and then I see them all on social media and I can't escape them, so I'm going to go back. Well, it is the
1: highlight reel as well. I mean, everyone always talks about that. And I guess there is this really strong narrative out there of don't settle, Don't let your partner be anything other than your soulmate. If it's not 100% fuck yes, it's a fuck no, that viral article that went around a few years ago. I do agree with you. I do think it's more likely that people will break up and get back together. But I also do wonder if because there's that narrative around that you need to be exploring and that you shouldn't just sleep with one person in your lifetime and you need to be getting out there and trying things in your 20s and your 20s should be some really experiential experience, I agree. I think that is something that's really permeated a lot of our psyches and we don't want to settle. And even if we find love with someone quite young, there's that pull to be like, well, what am I missing out on? Am I I settling young?
0: And I don't think we've had that as much in earlier generations. I think it's far more normalized in earlier generations to – to to date the same person since you're a teenager. But I I do think now there's that pressure to make sure you are challenging yourself, experiencing things and doing what everybody else seems to be doing on social media, even though you said it's a highlight reel and most of it's a lie anyway. Yeah. And I don't think anyone breaks up
1: on a whim. Like I think lots of people put a lot of time and energy into thinking about whether or not their relationship is a long-term thing that they want to commit their whole life to. But I, I do wonder if it's that idea that, oh, we'll break up and maybe we'll get back together down the track, that whole idea of, oh, we'll take a gap year from our relationship which and is, come back together. Which is
0: not a thing from someone who's done a gap year from a relationship but not intentionally. And I think when I, when I did get back with my ex-boyfriend – I became the poster girl at the time for being able to sort of fix what was a broken relationship after a year. And it's sort of like this idea is I went overseas for ages. I came back and we kind of reacquainted. And I remember telling everyone the most annoying response because people who were in the depths of heartbreak would always say, how do you just get back with them? And the most annoying response is what I find to be the most accurate in that you will never probably get back together with them in a healthy relationship if you think you're going to get back together with them. The only relationships I've ever seen where some of my friends have got back together with an ex is when that they live when they live their life for six to 12 months assuming that it's done and they, they live their lives for themselves assuming that that person's never going to come back.
1: Mm. I do wonder, to bring this back to one of the core themes of this episode, how long do you think it should take someone to get through this grieving process? Is it normal to be in a formal month situationship and then two years later still be yearning for that person is there a time limit that you should put on heartbreak
0: I don't think you can mm. I mean I, I would say if it's going on for years I mean neither of us are psychologists but I think with the, as much anecdotal evidence as that we have I, I think things affect people differently and I think what we lack these days is the patience for our friends going through it I had a girlfriend say to me not long ago um that she it took her 2 years maybe to get over a guy and she stopped talking about it after 3 months and she said i never said anything and anything to anyone in that time between the 3 months she pretended she was over it and the 2 years she was actually still grieving because she thought that nobody would understand mm. and i wish that she I wish that she could sense that we had compassion or empathy to help her through that. But, but maybe the realistic answer is after a year, people are like, come on, mate, get over this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There was a great piece from Lauren Howe, who is a psychologist in The Atlantic about this. And she said there is one factor that tends to define how long it takes you to get over a relationship. And that's whether or not you see the relationship breakdown as a reflection of yourself as a person. So if you see yourself as unchanging and you see the reasons for your relationship breaking down as reflective of who you are, then you're more likely to suffer for a really long time. And there was a really interesting quote from one woman that she spoke to saying, sometimes it keeps me awake at night. It's been 10 years and the pain of heartbreak hasn't gone away. And she said, if rejection seems to reveal like a new negative truth, an intrinsic truth that is unchanging about who you are, it becomes a heavier and more painful burden to bear
0: coming up on the show a conversation about moving on but first it's time for a bumble break Zara, Love Etc. is made possible
1: by Bumble Australia, the social networking app that helps you find love, make new friends and network with like-minded people in your field. And of course, you are single. So what exactly
0: are you using Bumble for? How loaded is that question? Michelle, I have Bumble Date on my phone and I have actually quite the time swiping. It I is, have
1: the time swiping through you vicariously.
0: I am so swipe happy at the moment. After the first three days of being on the platform, I, was, I had swiped so much that I exhausted every single person in in my radius that I had set up. And that's
1: not an indictment on the number of men on Bumble. There are so many people on Bumble. It's more just an indictment on you and how you spend your time, I think. <laughs> 100%. I have no hobbies. I've never had so much fun stalking people. It's such a dating smorgasbord. And I might not be single, but I personally adore Bumble BFF, the friend-finding mode on the app. It's such a great way to find women who have the same interests and hobbies as I do.
0: Yes, I've recommended the Bumble BFF mode to so many women who have moved interstate or overseas and have found themselves just a little bit Lonely, it's such an easy way to find a workout buddy or someone to go get coffee with on the weekend absolutely guys you can download bubble
1: right now for free and make the first move one app three modes one mission it's the ultimate dilemma after you break up with someone is it wrong to continue sleeping together we went to the beehive for answers Okay. Do you think it's
0: wise to get under someone in order to get over them?
1: Ah, uh, well, I fucked three guys to get over someone, and it did not work. So, <laughs>
0: no. It's not wise, but it's helpful.
1: <laughs> someone else or the same person? Definitely not the same person. See you later. Someone else, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, nah, wouldn't do it. Ah, uh, no. I think you need to deal with your own emotions first and sleeping with someone else is probably not going to be I mean if it does help you each to their own but I wouldn't recommend it generally I just find like being like by myself and like kind of working on stuff with myself and like obviously with the support of my friends and stuff I don't know I just think that works better I personally haven't done it but um just hearing from my friends and stuff you know I think it just kind of bottles up your emotions more and then it makes you more sad in the long run so I think probably not I but then again, like, if a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do, like, if you need that dick, just they go need for the it. Cobwebs, you, know? <laughs> you try to get, like, reassurance or, like, something yeah. from them, and then you don't get it. Yeah. And then, like, and the then it makes, you, it makes yeah. you feel even shitter than what you did before. Yeah. Now let's talk about moving on. Zara, do you think there is a greater level of acceptance for men who move on from their relationships rather than women who move on quickly from their relationships?
0: Hmm. Short answer, no. I think that we as a collective feel uncomfortable about anybody moving Mm. on quickly. I don't think that's necessarily gendered. I think it depends also on the kind of moving on they're doing. For example, and I know we'll touch on this in 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 a later episode, but I do think that we are more accepting of a man who wants to sleep around consistently and quickly after a breakup than a woman. But the moving on process, whether it be in another relationship or just the idea that they're seeing other people, I don't think that's gendered. What do you think? I don't think it's gendered. I think it has everything to do
1: with whether or not you did the breaking up. I think if you got broken up with, there's a really strong push that you should get back out there. Don't worry about him. Go clubbing. Go home with someone. Have a one night stand. Whereas perhaps if you did the breaking up and then you're sleeping with everything that moves one week later, I do think there is a level of resentment there. But in general, as far as moving on quickly goes, I think – there is a real attitude amongst women in particular. I know in my friendship group, for sure, that it's it's very pro one night stand. Like if you want to get under someone to get over someone, go do it. Like all power to you. And I wonder if sometimes that manifests in a pressure on newly single people that they should be going out there and that that by not subscribing to this party girl lifestyle of the new single girl, they're doing it wrong or they're not going to move on as quickly as they should because they're wallowing in their grief.
0: Yeah, I think the idea if you're not sleeping around, you're wallowing. And I don't, I completely disagree with the premise of that concept. I remember when I did go through the most recent breakup, I said to a lot of my close friends to sort of plant the seed, like, I'm not going near anyone in a really long time. I have enough work to do. We have enough on our plates right now that that is my focus and that's where I'm putting all my energy. I'm not wallowing. Don't worry about me. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be getting smashed every weekend and sleeping around. I almost feel too old for it which is absurd because I'm only 24 but it just it wasn't the headspace that I was in and it wasn't the headspace that I needed to be in I think that pressure would have come if I hadn't raised the flag beforehand though mm. but it is interesting being on the other side of it saying I don't want that because I think it's kind of the most normalized way to go through a breakup and it looks like the only way you're moving through it or getting over it which I kind of disagree with I kind of think it's a bit of a band-aid approach as well like a breakup can be such a gaping
1: wound in your body that to just put a band-aid over it of one night stands if that's what you want to do absolutely go for it like I've had one night stands in my life totally happy if you go do that of course but it might be masking really deep-rooted issues that you're having after that breakup if you're really quickly then jumping
0: into bed with someone else it's interesting you say that because I did read an interview with a best-selling author and relationship expert called Susan Winter who said that doing that can have the boomerang effect. It's just as likely that we'll walk away feeling worse than before. Mm. I think that's a pretty um, generalized statement and I don't think it's the same for everyone. But I think if you're expecting getting under someone to be the reason that you're going to be able to get over them, you're going to be disappointed. I think if you're using it as a distraction, then you'll be fine. I
1: agree. I think if you're legitimately horny and you want to go have sex with people, (laughs) go have sex with people. But if you're doing it as a coping mechanism, that's where you're going to run into trouble. I do want to talk to you. You raised this as a conversation with me about a month ago and it's stuck with me ever since, that you think one gendered aspect of breakups and dating in hetero relationships is that it's often admired when the man tries to fight for his ex-girlfriend back and tries to woo her again after a breakup. He's heralded as a champion. Whereas if a woman was to go after her ex-boyfriend and try and woo him, she'd be, uh, I guess, labeled as a psychopath. (laughs) <laughs> I very creepy person, a bit of a, well, maybe not psychopath, maybe stage five cleaner. I was going to
0: say, <laughs> stage five cleaner is far more accurate. No, it has been something I've been thinking of about a lot lately. And it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks um, because I've been having a few more conversations with my friends about, you know, breakups and relationships more recently because it's been a fixture of my, my last few months. But I did realize very quickly after having two separate conversations with two different people. And the first was a conversation with uh, a male friend whose ex-girlfriend, when he broke up with her, said something like, I'm going to get you back. Like, I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to get you back. And he said, oh, I wish you didn't say that. Like, it's just, it's a a lot to take on. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. And the attitude very generally is, oh, she's just a clinger. Why can't she get over this? She's obsessed with me. Yeah, she's obsessed. She's not in love. She's obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other conversation was with another male who was fighting for his ex-girlfriend saying, I'm just going to wait around. I've told her I'm going to be here and I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going to stalk her, but I'm going to wait for her. And the collective response to that is that is there's something so valiant and so charming, romantic and overly romantic about it. And I hadn't even considered that I had so much internalized uh, sexism myself when it came to my own attitudes towards these two scenarios. Um, because I, do, I don't I do think, we're, and we're speaking specifically here about hetero relationships, but I don't think there's many spaces for women to fight for their relationship or her relationship without being considered crazy. Mm. I mean, even for me, right? When I first went through a breakup when I was 20 and I did not do the breaking up, I I wanted that relationship back. I wanted it back, but not once did I bring it up and not once did I ask for it, which really surprises me in hindsight. Did you ever chase it at all? No. You just left it because you felt like you couldn't. Yeah. I felt like I I couldn't. I felt like the dignified thing to do was to get over it.
1: And that's not how lots of men approach this. If they want something, they will go for it unashamedly, which is... Fine. As long as you're respecting the boundaries of your ex, I think it does get into uncomfortable territory. If you break up with someone because you legitimately don't want to be with them anymore and the relationship's not working, I can imagine that's very uncomfortable and awkward to then have that person say, well, I'm going to wait for you anyway. Because it's like, wait, no, I broke up with you for a reason. I don't want to have any strings attached to you. I ended this because
0: I want to be free. And then on the flip side of that, it's kind of, did your relationship mean anything anyway if it's so easy for you both to walk away? Oh God, it's so fraught and complicated. But it has changed my perspective a little bit with regards to if a woman wants to fight for her relationship, it just plays into this idea that if we don't let her do that or if we consider her crazy for doing that, that she must be unruly and unhinged. And And I really want to change that conversation first and foremost, because I think I contributed to it negatively at some point probably just with my own internalized sexist ideas about relationships yeah hey let's wrap up this first episode with a question
1: sleeping with your ex after a breakup
0: yes or no um i mean the logical answer is no the realistic answer is yes yeah what's yours i've never done it before
1: i've (laughs) i have a habit of breaking up with someone and then literally never seeing them again if i see them again it's very awkward and uncomfortable um look I know that you might roll your eyes at this. I would like to think that if I broke up with someone, that would be it until we actually decide to date again. I think it's super complicated. So quaint, quaint, Michelle. I just think it's super, super complicated and messy. And the one thing I hate is messiness. And so if I ended a relationship, if I ended it, I would want to put some onus on myself to not go sleep with them because I'd feel like I'm then leading them on and giving them false hope. If I got broken up with... Maybe, because I might be really vulnerable and just want to and therefore throw caution to the wind. I think
0: we're forgetting that there's a complete lack of logic <laughs> that goes in to many of the decisions made after a breakup. So I would say there are aren't many people in this world and I would love to know if people disagree, please message us on Instagram. But <laughs> there are few people in this world that would go through a breakup and not sleep with their ex after it. Oh, oh, oh. Love, now, love etc. Down. is a production of shameless media. You can sign up to Bumble. Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We will be back next week, of
1: course, with another new episode for you guys. Until then, please click subscribe on your podcast app. That really helps us out and gets the word out there so we can mend all of those broken hearts. You can follow Bumble Australia on Instagram at Bumble underscore Australia. You can find more from Zara and I at Shameless Podcast.
0: Thanks so much, guys. See you next Friday. Bye.